Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to Only It the Anxiety Podcast with myself, Caroline Foran. I hope you've been enjoying season six so far. We've had a lot of different guests on, and I'm already recording for season seven, and we've got a lot more guests coming your way. But as I'm kind of getting close to wrapping up the season and taking a small break, I wanted just to bring things back again to basics, as I always like to do. So for this episode, it's just myself. I'm not talking to any experts, and I'm going back to some of the tools that I find incredibly helpful, especially when we're anxious around an upcoming event. And I think now that I suppose you could say we're living in a, we're beginning to emerge into a post-COVID era, we may be facing things again that we haven't had to face in a while. Maybe it's a new job interview, maybe it's a presentation, maybe it's whatever it is for you, like a trip that's coming up that makes you feel overwhelmed or anxious. I've been talking a bit on this series about change and how to handle change in different ways. Um, So for this episode, I'm going to go back to some of the tools around, I suppose, building confidence in the face of change and the fear of things not working out. The first one I want to talk you through is fear hacking. And it's a tool that you'll find laid out in my second book, The Confidence Kit. And really, it's the perfect tool for people who like me, roll their eyes when people say, oh, just be positive and just, you know, assume it'll all work out. Not always the most useful strategy you'll find. Hopefully these are things you'll be able to apply to your day-to-day life from the minute you finish this episode. So we live in a society that certainly favours positivity. We say good vibes only or don't worry, it will be fine. And we want to be seen to be glass half full people. And if someone's not projecting positivity out into the world, we think there's something wrong with them. We think there's something wrong with us. But have you ever found that forcing positivity makes you any less anxious or any more confident as a result? It can work for sure. There's a whole positivity industry making millions from the very idea. But for me, it's not always the best or the only way to deal with things effectively. Within this positive cultural context, it's also thought that if you think you're going to fail or even entertain the idea of failing as a possibility then fail you will. What you think you become is a phrase that we're so often hearing. 
These positive thinkers will prefer only to visualise the best possible outcome. But then there are those, and Elon Musk is one of them, who embraces an idea that we're going to discuss here, uh, who embrace the idea, I suppose, of things going tits up, because the likelihood of that happening sometimes is very high. But worry not, it's not as Armageddon-like as it sounds. Elon Musk, as one person, refers to this as fatalism. And being naturally inclined to worry, I'm a big fan. But instead of fatalism, I like to think of it as a psychological process of fear hacking. It just sounds a bit more proactive, I think, than fatalism. It basically involves imagining the worst case scenario and taking the steps necessary to manage any negative eventuality. You might also call it decatastrophizing or controlled catastrophic thinking. And if you're a regular listener of this series, you'll be very familiar with the idea of catastrophic thinking, and it is certainly something I fall victim to so many times. So I guess in this way, we're making it work for us instead of against us. And the key there is the word controlled, so controlled catastrophic thinking. You don't want to find yourself spiraling down a rabbit hole of generalized worst case scenarios, which might just increase your fear. So you want to do it in a measured way, focusing on specifics and maybe writing it down on paper at a time when you've decided to allow for it to happen. Think of it in the same way you might assign 10 minutes a day where you are fully free to let all of your worrying happen. And I call that a worry period. So you don't want to be thinking of the worst case scenario, such as I'm never going to get the job I want from morning until night. That is obviously going to be a major driver of anxiety. Again, this may seem counterintuitive at first, but in small doses, there is a lot to be said for considering an outcome that doesn't go in your favour. Obviously, your hope, and my hope for you, is that it doesn't come to this. But if it does, and sometimes it will, it makes a huge difference to have already confronted that reality and perhaps developed a contingency plan if needs be. It means you are prepared. It removes the chances of a knee-jerk, anxiety-fueled reaction. It also diminishes the idea of the unknown, because when you're interacting directly with fear, you diminish the weight of your fear. Think about a good horror movie. Sometimes we see someone running away from something and we don't know what it is, making it all the more terrifying. We can't see it. But when we do eventually see it, such as that weird uh, Venus flytrap demogorgon thing from Stranger Things, it becomes a lot less terrifying. Sometimes it even becomes kind of comical. We fear things more because we are so busy running away from them and not willing to stop and look at what it is we're actually afraid of. By refusing to think of the worst case scenario or turn around and confront the shadow that's chasing you down, the fear remains more exaggerated than the reality. What's more, I find that unwavering optimism about the future only makes for a greater shock when things go wrong. And I'm a realist, you know that by now. Explained by Oliver Berkman in his book, The Antidote, Happiness for People Who Can't Stand Positive Thinking, by fighting to maintain only positive beliefs about the future, the positive thinker ends up being less prepared and more acutely distressed when things eventually happen that he can't persuade himself to believe are good. And interestingly, what I found is that when you feel terrified but continue to tell yourself that the worst case scenario cannot happen, you serve only to enhance the fear by placing it outside of your ability to cope. So don't just focus on the shit not hitting the fan. If the shit hits the fan, you can cope with that. Focus on that instead. When you get to a point of saying, okay, this could go horribly wrong, let's be realistic, but I'm prepared and I'm going to do it and hope for the best, the fear of failure will feel somewhat detached from you. Elon Musk said that when starting SpaceX, he thought the odds of success were less than 10% and he just accepted that actually probably he would just lose everything, but that maybe he would make some progress. The progress for you might not be a major discovery within the realm of technology, we leave that to him, but it might be progress in terms of personal development. It might be progress in terms of that which you fear not being as scary in reality. 
you will have learned that sitting down and teasing your fears apart is probably one of the best ways of making the fear less exaggerated. The best way to get your fear hacking on is to first ask yourself, what could go wrong here? That part should be easy to do. We're well used to that as anxious thinkers. The next part though is crucial. Following up these worst case scenario questions with, what if? Which helps you to make a plan to avoid disaster. So what happens if it all goes wrong? What will happen to you if you finally tell that person the truth, for example? And then what? In most cases, the worst case scenario will feel a lot more catastrophic than it would turn out to be if it actually came true. It will feel worse than it would actually be in reality. It either won't happen or it will and you'll survive it or it won't be as bad as you originally feared it would be. Furthermore, having planned for a disaster, it's likely that you'll improve your performance regardless of the outcome having used this strategy. Follow your fears to the point of having a resolution if they were to come true. This is a big thing for me. It's like a, a, a hack that I have found so invaluable, knowing that you can cope with all eventualities. For example, I'm afraid of telling my friend something that I found out that I know will hurt her. If I tell her, she might be mad at me and we might argue. Okay, and what if you argue? It will make you feel bad, but will it be permanent? And what then? Will you learn something? Will you feel better for having told her the truth and done the right thing? Will your friendship eventually be stronger for it? Will you be ready to explain to her why you had to tell her and be ready for her to react unfavorably? Now, chances are, in reality, she won't react in quite as negative a way as you're expecting. But by interacting with the possibility, you can plan what to do if it all goes peat tong. You can be okay with the risk you are taking. This strategy applies very well to instances of public speaking. Instead of just thinking this will be an epic failure in general, which would be unhelpfully negative, I like to drill down into specifics. I will imagine any and all of the following worst case scenarios. For example, I could trip over a wire if I'm doing it in person. My slides might not work on the screen. My video might cut off if I'm doing a webinar. I won't remember what I had wanted to say. What if I had to hold a microphone and then I don't have any free hands to hold my notes? All of these things make me more anxious about the task at hand. I then go through each fear and I plan for it. I bring duct tape with me to pin down any rogue wires where I'll be standing. I charge my laptop in advance and I bring my plug just in case. If I'm at home, I double and treble check my connection. I write my presentation out on cue cards and I print two copies which I bring with me. I tell the organisers in advance that I don't want to hold a microphone so they can either arrange a stand or I'll speak without one or a headset. Had I just thought to myself, oh look, it'll all be fine, when really I had these very valid worries, I would have turned up and experienced some of these issues which would have been 10 times worse had I not prepared in advance. And most of all, my performance wouldn't have been as good as it could have been had I not considered the ways in which things go wrong. All of this is the lesser known upshot to pessimism, an unexpected tool within your confidence kit and one that I highly recommend. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now we are going to talk about positive visualization, which is the other side of the coin of the fatalism tool. So of course, you know, there is always still very much room for positivity. The key though is to get your controlled fatalism or fear hacking out of the way first meaning you've dealt with the negative, and then the positive that's left will feel far more authentic. This way, it's not forced, it's not negating your concerns, and it can have a far more beneficial impact on your confidence. Thinking positive is something that has been practiced and encouraged since the beginning of time. It's nothing new. Positive visualization, however, is a little bit more specific and practical, so it gets my stamp of approval. I'm all about practicality. It became particularly popular from the 1970s onwards, especially for athletes. Positive visualization is the ultimate motivator, imagining how you will feel, visualizing the success that you're about to embark upon. It is the best case scenario, whereas we've already covered the worst case scenario. But it's more than just thinking about the end result, and it does require effort. It actually pays to imagine yourself as a confident person you want to be, the the person who you believe you can be when you put anxiety to one side, the person who is unfazed by self-consciousness, the person who gets the job done, whether it's performing in a match or socialising at a party with ease, passing a test with flying colours, and maybe even enjoying the process or giving the most engaging and thought-provoking speech of your life. Wherever in your life you need the confidence boost most. Several studies on mental imagery have shown that our brains can't really tell the difference between a picture that is real and a picture that we are imagining. This is why you'll feel scared when you think of something scary, even if there's nothing scary right in front of you. And this is often at the center of all of our anxiety because our fear is so often perceived, our anxiety is so often perceived and future-oriented and not necessarily a reality that we are actually ever confronted with. The same chemicals are released and the same neural pathways are activated, which link what your body does to the brain impulses that control it. This is conditioning and it makes sense that this could work in our favor as well, so that's what we're going to do here. One of the more well-known stories is that of golfer Jack Nicklaus, who practiced each shot in his mind before taking it and believed it to be a huge part of his success. When we repeat a thought over time, it can become a belief. It can have the same power as actions. We know this to be true from cognitive behavioral therapy, but I find it works best in terms of confidence when you've already dealt with your fears and concerns. You're not just trying to shove a positive mental image in and squish down all of your worries so that they can't breathe and might at any moment explode. That's not what we want here. Instead, we confront the negatives and then we get onto this more positive mental exercise, which should then be followed up with physical action if it's to prove beneficial. Positive visualization, which should engage as many senses as you can, gets you that bit closer to realizing your goals. Muhammad Ali was a big fan of immersing himself 
through mental imagery in every second of a fight before he did it. He would imagine it going well. He would imagine the perfect punches he would throw. He would use positive self-affirmation such as I am the greatest, which he became famous for. When you make it a regular practice, this mental exercise enhances your motivation. It primes your brain for success. Your brain is already practicing the task at hand and therefore learning how best to do it. And studies have even shown that it can improve motor performance when it's eventually crunch time. By imagining ourselves as calm and competent and anxiety-free, we reduce the physiological symptoms of stress. By practicing what we're about to do in our heads and doing it several times, it is believed that you can condition your neural pathways in such a way that by the time you actually go to do it, the action is familiar to your brain. And that which is familiar doesn't bring about a fear response at least not to the same extent as something that is totally unknown. So how can we do positive visualization? Number one, recall a confident memory. I find some classical conditioning of your own can be a helpful place to start. Close your eyes and think back for a moment to a time when you were really confident or you did something really well or felt really chuffed with yourself. Bring that moment right into your focus. What can you see? What did you feel? What were you wearing? Who was there? What can you touch? What were you thinking? Talk through it in your head or tell someone about it until you feel as though you're back there. Pinch your forefinger and your thumb together, eyes still closed. This is a really popular tactic of politicians when they are trying to get themselves in a positive, confident space. When you repeat this a few times, it creates a link between the imagery in your head and the physical act of pinching your fingers together. Then, when you need to muster that confidence most later on, Holding your fingers in this way will more easily take you back to the feeling of confidence that you've had before. This is called anchoring. And as I said, it's a widely used technique among politicians and public speakers of any kind. Step number two, employ relaxation techniques. So you then need to visualize the task at hand. Remember that you're already given plenty of energy to all the things that could go wrong. We've done that. So now your focus is purely imagining things going in your favor and you can do this without any worries because you're not trying to force it upon yourself. So sit with your back straight and breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth for as long as it takes you to feel somewhat relaxed. It helps too if you count down from 10 very slowly and with each number you go down a step on a staircase. So visualize that. This is one thing that I found really useful from a hypnotherapy session, at least in terms of reaching that initial point of relaxation. So with with every downward count, you're going down a step. Step number three, don't just visualize, engage as many senses as you can. Then bring the future into your mind's eye. What can you see? What can you touch? Imagine yourself in the scenario that you're facing and bring your senses to the fore. What can you smell? What outcome do you want? Visualize that outcome happening. How do you see yourself? How do you see your body language? How are people responding to you? How are you speaking? How are you holding your body? What are your strengths in this situation? Try as much as you can to bring as much detail into this mental image as possible. What you are feeling as you do it and as you achieve the result you want is key, as is visualizing yourself as you will be in the real situation and not as someone else observing you. Step number four and the final step. Practice this visualization again and again. And remember to keep it realistic. This exercise is not about imagining yourself as some millionaire or waking up as one tomorrow. It's explained by Tom Seaborn, PhD, an athlete and imagery expert and the author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Quick Total Body Workouts. Positive imagery cannot make you perform beyond your capabilities, but it can help you reach your potential. 
So they are just two tools, two sides of the same coin that I find really practical and really helpful when it comes to anxiety around an an upcoming event or some task that you're about to take on, something that's really important to you that you are approaching in, in any aspect of your life. These are two tools that I've discussed from my second book, The Confidence Kit. They are part of a set of 13 tools in total. And the book has been really helpful for people in overcoming their fear of failure, overcoming the fear of things going wrong. As you've listened to me here, you know that confronting the worst case scenario, confronting the negative is actually a very useful tool when it comes to building confidence and reducing our anxiety. It's not about never feeling it, it's about feeling it and turning it on its head to work in your favour. I really hope that you found this useful and I will be back next week with what will be the final episode of season six before a quick break and then, of course, back to season seven. Thank you so much for listening to Owning It The Anxiety Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.